Now tonight I want to focus on these words of Samuel found in the verse 14. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people. Here God shows us his heart. He sought a man after his own heart. I did refer to this last week. Then my focus was on the Lord and Saul. But tonight, my focus is on the Lord and this man that the Lord is talking about according to his own heart. So we're kind of leaving Saul now. And we have to focus on this man here. The Lord has brought him to our attention. This man. So we have to investigate him, and that's what we're going to do tonight. Now, up to this time, Samuel hasn't met him. I don't think Samuel knows who he is, but he knows the Lord has another man in mind and in heart. Saul doesn't know him either. He's just known as as another man. So the identification of the man isn't known. He's in the future. He's away down the road. We will have to go through more chapters and more periods of time and more sermons before we come to him as he is revealed in the rest of the book. But here we get a first mention of him without his name. We know it's David. Three chapters ahead, we'll see that. In the 16th chapter, the name's revealed. And one day after Samuel parted from Saul for the last time in chapter 16, we read that the Lord said to Samuel, How long are you going to mourn for Saul? Fill your horn with oil and go to Bethlehem. That man that I told you about, that man according to my heart, he's there. And in Bethlehem, we will discover the man. The man after God's heart. The coming one, the promised one, the great shepherd. And of course, ultimately, the Lord has one even greater than that on his heart. Who also comes out of Bethlehem. Who also is the coming one. Who also is the promised one. Who also is another man, a unique man. There's a type here of Christ. And Christ is in the mind of God whenever he says these words. And remember that man has finally brought out David in Bethlehem. He is anointed. And that's in chapter 16 where he's named. Now whenever I say we're investigating this man, I'm not saying we're investigating him himself in any detail. We will in time, God willing. We'll get to the life of David. How interesting it is. How much no doubt we can learn from his life. But I'm not interested in his life just yet. The verse is not about David's life. The verse is about God's heart. That's what I'm interested in. God's heart. This is an unusual verse. According to his own heart. The heart of God. You don't read much about the heart of God in the Bible. And when you do, you pause. You take time. You think. You meditate on that heart. The heart of the Lord. 
So we're seeing God's heart tonight. And of course God's heart is, is going to David, but it goes way beyond David to another one who came out of Bethlehem, as I said. So I want to say some general things about this text, first of all, that Samuel speaks to Saul. It is, first of all, a divine revelation. This is something that is revealed by God. Samuel knows about this man. He doesn't know his name. He doesn't know his identity. But he knows that God has another man in mind. How does he know that? Is he guessing? No, he knows because he's a prophet. And a prophet is a seer. A prophet sees. A prophet doesn't see everything. And a prophet doesn't see all. But a prophet sees what God shows him, what God reveals to him. And Samuel here is speaking as a seer, as one who has seen, as one to whom it has been revealed. He knows this much, God has his heart on another man. He doesn't know his identity because the revelation is progressive. God doesn't give us it all at once. God never even gave it to a prophet all at once. It's progressive. It continues bit by bit. You see more and more until finally Christ comes and then he gives it all. The last great prophet, the son of God. Progressive revelation, but it's coming out of God's mouth. The prophets saw and what they saw, they revealed. They revealed all that they saw, but they didn't see everything. They only saw what God showed them and all of that they revealed. So we don't know much about David from these words, this first vision, this first revelation, but we know God's heart. God has his heart on someone else. What do the prophets do? They declare the whole counsel of God. Now the whole counsel of God in God's mind and heart is not declared. But by the whole counsel of God is what has been revealed, what has been shown, what the man of God has seen. He should declare all of that. He can't declare anything more than that. And he's not allowed to declare anything less than that. The man of God isn't to go beyond the word of God. He's not to go beyond the vision. He's not to go beyond the scripture. All of what is revealed he is to give, but beyond that he's not to touch. And so Samuel just reveals here what he has been told. God says, I have a man, according to my own heart, I'm going to make him captain over my people. And Samuel reveals that. That's what all the prophets did. They spoke the word of God. So he's not making it up. Remember how Jeremiah, the Lord touched my mouth, and he said, I've put my words in your mouth. That's all the prophet was to do. Speak the words of God, nothing more. Moses was the same. I'll be with your mouth and you'll teach them all that I tell you. And Ezekiel was the same. Son of man, speak with the children of Israel my words unto them. And of course those words are chiefly and supremely about Christ. And in time the Son of God himself came and he was the one also who had all the words of God, all the words of his Father. And he declared them as well. And he's the final prophet. He's the great prophet. He's the chief prophet who gives the whole counsel of God. And we have the fullness of the revelation through Jesus Christ. He's the fullness. He's the truth himself. He's the last. After him there's nothing more. 
God who spoke to us in very many ways and by different prophets and bit by bit and piecemeal by the prophets have now spoken unto us in these last days. Yes, we're in the last days. In fact, they've begun 2,000 years ago. Has spoken unto us in these last days by his Son. He gives a fullness of the revelation. We have it complete in him. Well, that's the first thing. Revelation is, is progressive, but it's true, it's faithful, it's the word of God. And we have to receive it as the word of God. And we're so blessed because we live in the last days and we have the fullness. What did Saul have? What did David have, really? They had much, but they would have loved to have what we have. They would have loved to see the Son of God come. All that the Father hath given me, I have declared unto them. The words you've given to me, I have given to them. And we're so blessed because we have the full revelation. We have the full counsel of God. And it's the duty of ministers to preach that and expound that in the short time that they have and with all the ability God gives them. So that's the first thing. Samuel's not making this up. He's a prophet who gives the word of God and he tells us about God's heart. Nobody can see God's heart. God has to open it. God has to speak it out and to reveal it. And when he does, he's always bringing us to this man, the son of David ultimately, to his Christ. That's where his heart lies. The next thing that has to be said about this text that I have tonight is that it is a key verse in Samuel. Every book in the Bible has key verses. Now, whenever you read a Bible book, you should underline things that stand out, memory verses that stand out, and then go over them all again and begin to consider which could be key. Is, is one of these a key verse? Or is a couple of these a key verses? So always try to find the key verses. Now, there are many different ways to detect key verses, which we can't go into now. And of course, there are a lot of different factors and people come up with different ideas and different opinions. But in my opinion, this is the key verse in Samuel. Whenever I talk about the book of Samuel, I'm referring to both books, first and second Samuel. This is a key verse in both books. The man, according to God's heart, who's going to be the captain, the Christ, the anointed. I think that there are a couple of reasons why we can take it as a key verse. One is that the four most important people in the, this book come together. What is Samuel about? It's about Samuel, it's about Saul, it's about David, and it's about the Lord. It begins with Samuel, we come to Saul, and then it's all taken up mainly with David. And the Lord is working with them all. That's the whole summary of the book of Samuel. And here we have it coming together for the first time, the Lord telling Samuel about the man in his own heart, this David in his heart, this beloved one in his heart, and telling it to Saul. All four of them are coming together for the first time in this verse. That's significant. Another reason that can be seen is that these things here that the Lord says here, according to my own heart, I'm going to raise up a man, one I've chosen, one I've commanded. Those ideas and those principles are constantly repeated throughout the Bible until we come to Christ. And even the apostles quote these ideas that are latent in this verse. So with the apostles and with the rest of the prophets, it was a key, a key text. 
And you see this especially in Acts chapter 13, verse 22. Paul here is summarizing the book of Samuel. When he had removed him, that is Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king. That's the summary of Samuel. To whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Do you see how Paul quotes our text? Now he doesn't quote it verbatim. He paraphrases it. He puts in a few other ideas here and there. And he summarizes what God is saying. I found David, the son of Jesse, a man according to my own heart. He's quoting from 1 Samuel 13, verse 14. Summarizes the whole of Samuel, and then he quotes the key verse. That's how important it is. Paul knew there was something special being said there whenever God talked about his heart and a man on his heart. So he's giving the sense and the meaning of our text tonight. He preached on it. He expounded it. Paul doesn't say Samuel talk, talk, said it. Do you see how he says it differently? Samuel says the Lord. He talks about the Lord. The Lord has chosen a man according to his own heart. But what does Paul say? Paul says the Lord said. I have chosen a man according to my own heart. He makes the Lord the speaker. And yet it was Samuel who was the one who spoke. Why, why can he do that? Because it's the word of God. If the prophet speaks, God speaks. It's the Lord saying it. The prophet's only saying what the Lord revealed to him. It's the Lord's word. It doesn't matter where the pronouns lie. It's God's word and God says it. Even if the prophet should use the pronoun I and me. He's speaking the word of God. He's revealing what the Lord has said. A man according to his own heart. So all the apostles do this all the time with the Bible. They, they quote it out and they say, God said, even though it was the prophet who wrote it down and said it. Because it's the word of God. The Bible's the word of God. Not just the words that the Lord spoke directly, but the whole Bible is the word of God. And we have to receive it, brethren and sisters, as, that, as the word of God. We have a pillar here in the book of Samuel. Do you remember I said that at the start? There'll be parts we'll race through but there'll be other parts. There'll be big pillars, big massive monuments, something that really stands out, and we're going to have to stand there and look at the monument and spend time. The first monument was Hannah's song from the second chapter. Remember we spent many weeks in that? Because that's a great monument, that song. And then we spent a lot of time in, in Samuel's sermon in Gilgal. That's another monument. But here's another monument here. Whenever God begins to reveal his heart concerning a certain man. That's a monument. There's a coming one. There's a man God has set his heart on. There's one to arise out of Bethlehem. There's a captain of salvation coming. There's a David. There's a beloved one. David means beloved. And ultimately, there's a son of David. He'll come as well and overshadow him. So, so this is what, what we're seeing here, this, this key verse. And the third thing is, 
not only is, is this the word of God, not only is it key word of God because it's talking about the, the man and God's heart, which the Bible is always about. The Bible is always revealing to us the man and God's heart. That's his son, that's Christ. But thirdly, whenever God reveals a word about the man on his heart, that ought to have a profound effect on the hearer. Whenever you hear about something in God's heart and God reveals it to you, that should have a profound effect upon you. You should want to say, I want to know that man. I want to see that man. I want to follow that man. I want to know God through that man. So it ought to have a profound effect. The man according to God's heart. Now Saul, it did have a profound effect upon him. But not for good. Not for good. Sadly. It made him worse. When he heard about the man and God's heart, it made him worse because it made him jealous. And envy is a cancer of the soul that does such great damage. And you wonder, how did Saul turn out the way that he did? How could he be like this? It all began with envy. But hearing about this man. And you know, it had a profound effect on Saul. He never forgot that word of Samuel. Never forgot it. That announcement led to his getting worse. It led to the hardening of his heart. His paranoid mind was born here when he heard about the man. In a later chapter, in chapter 18, we read that Saul was very wroth and he was displeased at a certain saying. You know the saying. Saul slain thousands. David, this new man on the scene, David, he slain his tens of thousands. That got Saul's ears up. Another man. A man greater than Saul. A man more worthy than Saul. A man having more praise than Saul. That got his ears up. And from that day, he ate David. He ate him. And then ringing in the back of his ears is Samuel's word. A man according to my own heart. It destroyed Saul, that text. It didn't make him better. It didn't sanctify him. He didn't say, oh, I want that man. I want that man to be king. That's God's man. Even I follow him. That's God's man. That wasn't the attitude. The attitude was, I'll destroy him. That man will not be reigning. What more can he have but the kingdom? That's what he said. You've lost the kingdom, Saul. There's another man. He's thinking about what Samuel said. That text that we're looking at tonight never left Saul. It made a profound effect upon him for the worse. You see, the word of God is like that, brethren and sisters. It either makes you better or it makes you worse. There's no middle ground. That's the way it is. It'll either sanctify you and purify you or it'll harden you and make you worse. It'll sanctify you or it'll desanctify you. It'll make you a new, create you a new, or it'll decreate you according to your attitude to it. 
And that's the explanation of Saul's decreation and his desanctification and the way that he got worse and worse and worse and worse. It all began here. God revealed his heart about this man. And he rejected that man and got worse. Brethren and sisters, whenever God shows us the man in his heart, let us receive him. Let us accept him. Let us believe in him. Let us trust him and follow him. God's word never leaves you the same. To one a savour of death unto death, to another the savour of life unto life. And the poor preacher has to say, who's sufficient for these things? Because he knows he's destroying some. And he knows he's saving others. According to the attitude in their hearts. So that, that's the point we, we note from this. But the fourth thing is, and this is the primary thing I want to get across tonight in the time that remains. God's word shows us his heart. And in that heart there's a man. Now the text has often been preached to mean God is seeking someone who has a heart for him. Or has a heart like God. It's often been preached like that. And there have been scores and scores of sermons that, you know, David has a good heart. David has this heart after God. David's a great heart. He's a great man. David has a heart that God loves. That's not what it teaches. There's nothing here about David's heart. This is God's heart. According to his own heart. The word after, after his own heart means according to his own heart. So we're seeing God's heart tonight, not David's. This has nothing to do with David's heart. God's heart. I mean, if, if God's waiting for someone with a heart that's wonderful and super special and super spiritual and be after God, God's going to have to wait a quite long time. Because there's not such a man exists on the planet apart from the grace of God. It all begins in God's heart. That's where it begins. If we get a heart for God, it's because God has had a heart for us. It begins in his heart. According to his own heart. So we're seeing the heart of God here tonight. And I have to say, I think those sermons are wrong where they go off in a tangent and look at David's heart. Heart of faith, heart of sincerity, a heart of obedience. Yes, I mean, we can preach sermons like that and that be fine, but that's not what's in the text. It's God's heart. David's out there in the field somewhere, shooting his catapult, fighting off lions and wolves from the, the poor wee sheep. He doesn't do anything about this. It is true that David did get a good heart. And he wrote all those psalms. But he got a good heart because God first set his heart on him. We love him with our heart. Because he first loved us with his heart. That's the story. That's the story of this text. There's one I've set my heart on. 
There's one I love. There's one that I have a purpose and plan for. That's David. David, David was unique. I know he was unique. Utterly unique. Who else could pen those psalms? Who else knew God the way David knew him? We're so blessed that we ever had a David raised up for us to pen all those psalms. What a wonderful heart he had. Unique. He had a unique heart. But he had a unique heart because God put his heart on him and raised him up. And made him the psalmist. Made him as anointed. Made him to do the commandments of God. It all began in the heart of God. And that's what this text teaches. God's heart. This has to do, you see, with God's purpose and God's will, doesn't it? His pleasure. His choice. His election. According to his heart. According to his pleasure. According to his desire. According to what he has in his heart. His heart Rules the matter. His pleasure is done. That's what's meant here. God's pleasure. God's desire. God's will. And you see that in the next chapter. Chapter 14 verse 7. What do we read there? Jonathan. He has his armor bearer. You know. We'll go up and fight the Philistines. You know. Will he do that? That's in his heart. And the armor bearer says. What does he say there? Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee, according to thy heart. It's the same. I'm with thee after your heart. Whatever your heart is, Jonathan, if you want to go up and combat those Philistines, if you want to go up and fight them, I'm with you. I'm with your heart. I'm with what you desire. I'm with your pleasure. I'm with what you want to do. I'm with you. So that's what is meant here. It's what God wants to do. It's God's pleasure. It's God's purpose. According to his heart. And that's the explanation of it. Now it's not often we read about the heart of God in the Bible. But when it's open to us. We have to pause. That's why we can never run away from the cross. Because not only was Christ pierced in his hands and feet. At the cross. His side was opened. His heart was opened. And the blood burst out. It just burst out with, with the sanctifying water from his humanity. He opened his heart. It was his heart's desire. His heart burst for his people. And we have to pause there, don't we? This is the explanation of why we're saved. This is the explanation of why we belong to the Lord. That's not my heart. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. You know my heart chooses you, Lord. No, the explanation is the Lord's heart burst for us. The Lord's heart shed his life blood for us. That's the explanation. We stop at that heart tonight. May the Lord show us his heart. May he open his heart to us. May we see his heart. So God has his heart in David. You see, Saul, he's the people's man. He's the people's heart. He's according to the people's heart, but, but God's heart wasn't really on him. God said, I, I give you a man according to your heart. Saul's a man according to your heart. Saul's a man you want. Saul's the kind of man you would choose. You know, this energetic man, this outgoing man. 
this great personality, this, this warrior. You know, I'll give you that man. He's who you want. But I've got a man according to my heart. Now it's my pleasure, Saul. You got your chance. The people's man got, a ch- got his chance. And you threw it away. Now it's my choice. It's my heart. It's my pleasure. It's my election of David. Yes, election. Elections here. Choices here. We read Psalm 78. He chose David. He chose David. According to his own heart. And he took him from the sheepfolds. God's choice, God's sovereign choice, God's election. Does God have an election? He surely does. If there's anything revealed in the Bible, it's the election of grace. God chose David over Saul. He elected David. I've made a covenant with my chosen. My chosen. I've sworn unto David my chosen. I have exalted one chosen. I found David my servant. The chosen one and I have anointed him with the holy oil. God's heart is an electing heart. It has chosen David. I have sought a man. I have found him. I have commanded him. That is, I have ordained him to be my captain. David doesn't know a thing about it. He's looking after the sheep. He's running about after the sheep. And God says, I've commanded him. David hasn't heard any command yet. He's heard nothing. But God is saying, I've ordained him. It's in my heart. It's in my decree. It's in my good pleasure. It's in my electing grace. I've chosen him. He hasn't found out yet. You don't even know who he is yet. Samuel doesn't even know who he is yet. But, but I know. God knows. And so he chose David. Just listen to David's own testimony in 2 Samuel. Well, what can David say more unto thee, Lord? Lord God, thou knowest thy servant. He's, he's talking to God. Chapter 7, 2 Samuel, verse 20. For thy word's sake and according to thine own heart. Do you see how he brings it into prayer? According to your own heart. David knew where his call originated. David knew where his election originated. God's own heart. And he brings God's heart to him again. He says in verse verse 21. Your word's sake Lord. And according to thine own heart. Hast thou done all these things. To make thy servant know them. Wherefore thou art great. And so he, he knows it's in God's heart that this has all come about. According to your own heart, Lord. God's choice makes David obedient. It's not the other way around, you know. It's God's choice leads to command and obedience and ordination. It's not our obedience and then God chooses us. No, God chooses, chooses his people and he makes them obedient. That's the order. Really it is. None of us will be obedient. There's none that seek God. He, he has to seek us with his heart. That's where it begins. And Samuel, he has to go with this choice. Even though he feels for Saul, even though he mourns for Saul, 
Even though perhaps he would like to see Saul continue, he can't because he has to go with the choice of God. And finally, God has to come to him and say, Look, Samuel, get up. Stop mourning for this man. And get your horn of oil and off you go. And anoint him. Samuel has to choose God's man. And Saul's refusing to do that. That's his problem. He won't have him. I'll not have this man to rule over me. I'll not give up my kingdom for this. I'm going to maintain it for my son, Jonathan. And so he rejects David. He rejects David's anointing. And for a long time, David is rejected by Israel. He has to live in a cave. and He has a few hundred followers. And even after Saul dies, it's still a bit of a battle for to get the whole nation behind him. They don't accept him. They, they reject him. The Lord's choice, the Lord's anointed. Israel always has this problem of rejecting the Lord's anointed, the Lord's choice. It's the same problem they have today. Still rejecting the Lord's choice, still rejecting the man in God's heart, his Christ. It's the same old problem. Rejecting the Son of God in the heart of the Father. And so it takes a long time for Israel to accept David. And it'll take Israel a long time to accept Jesus Christ. But they will, you know. They will one day. One day the veil will be taken away and they'll mourn for him as for an only son, this Christ. And at last they'll see it. It's the man in God's heart who was wounded for our transgressions. And will be grafted in again. And they'll be our brethren and sisters in the church. And what a wonderful time that will be. When Israel's grafted in again. At the moment, they're mainly stubborn and continuing their rejection of the one in God's heart. David is in here because ultimately he's just a type and a foreshadow of one greater. The one who's really in his heart is his Christ, who he sets upon his holy hill of Zion, Psalm 2, and all of that, his anointed. His elect is Christ. And if we have an election, it's because of the election of Christ. So he's eyeing the son of David here. And he is God's elect. Do you remember at the cross where, where the Lord Jesus was crucified and all the mockers were there? What, what was one of the things the mockers said? He saved others. Let him save himself if he be Christ, the chosen of God. Do you see how they said that? The chosen of God, the one in God's heart. If he's the one in God's heart, why is he crucified here? Why has he not come down off the cross and save himself? If he's the one in God's heart, the chosen. Well, he is the one in God's heart. And the reason why he doesn't come down from the cross is because he's dying for the ones in his heart. His people. Remember how the Bible says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, my chosen, in whom my soul delighteth. I put my spirit upon him. He'll bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. That's why you're saved tonight, you know. Because of this man in God's heart, this chosen one. That he has raised up for you. 
It all began in the heart of God. Are you saved? Are you believing in Jesus Christ? Are you trusting in the Savior? You Gentile who was just a pagan in darkness like all the rest of us, but now we're in the light of Christ. How did this all begin? It began in the heart of God. When he put his heart on his Christ and said, I'll, I'll give you a light to the Gentiles. Are we so blessed? We believe in him. We trust in him. We depend upon him. To him coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. And he that believeth on him will not be confounded. So we choose Christ. And we have to go with God's election as Christians. And we gladly do. We choose Christ too. So you've chose the chosen one. And because he chose you, you chose him. You've not chosen me, I've chosen you. Yes, we choose him. But it's because Christ first, God first chose Christ. So, so it begins in the election, the choice of God. We know that's where our salvation is founded. In God's heart. So let us rejoice in our Saviour. And let us know that every time we look into the heart of God, we'll see one man, his dear son. This is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. So let's look into the heart of God and see Christ. And let's make sure he's in our heart. So if anybody looks into our what are they going to see? They're going to see Christ. Someone who loves Christ. Someone who enthrones Christ. Someone who has chosen Christ. So may he dwell in our hearts by faith.